Sleeping alone and sweeping the streets I used to own. Chris Martin of Coldplay. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to This Week in Accountable Care on the Block Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Greg Masters. It's Wednesday, February 15, 2012, and we're originating this broadcast from San Diego, California. This is the third and perhaps final series in the Health Information Management Services Society, also known as HIMSS, 2012 Countdown Series. Today, my special guest is a friend of the show, making his third or perhaps fourth appearance, the talented, ever-thoughtful Vince Caritis, also known on Twitter as at Vince Caritis. That's V-I-N-C-E-K-U-R-A-I-T-I-S. Welcome back, Vince. Hey, Greg, thank you. It's really an honor to be back again, and we'll have some fun, and we'll we'll talk about some interesting things. Glad to have your 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 insights and your steady hand in this conversation and and I and I I do mean that in earnest. So uh let me talk about Vince. Vince is a, a JD and MBA. He's the principal and founder of Better Health Technologies LLC and the publisher of the popular and rather informative e-care management blog. Now that's e-caremanagement.com. Vince consults to companies in developing strategy, partnerships, and business models for chronic disease management and e-health applications. Clients include both established organizations and early-stage companies, the likes of which include Intel Digital Health Group, Philips Electronics, Amedesis, Ascension Health System, Samsung, Siemens Medical. Vince, I thought we'd start off today with some quick context on you the health information industry at large, and the subset of that conversation you'll engage at the e-collaboration forum titled The Future of Platforms in Healthcare with Shahid Shah, who's CEO of Net Perspective, and that's on Thursday, February 23rd, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. with a reception scheduled for those who are actually registering for the event. But first, a few thoughts. Uh, the broader HIMSS stakeholder community has been well-treated since the passage of ARA and the high-tech provisions and the opening of the floodgates to connect healthcare silos that we find in our midst. As we look to HIMSS 2012, a big, large industry event, let me ask you up front, are you hopeful and how are you going into this? Uh, very, very hopeful, very optimistic. The, the feedback that we have uh, been receiving and the visibility, even in the last couple of days, uh, I think that uh, before the half hour ends, uh, I'd like to put on the radar screen and maybe talk about a couple of recent announcements. Yesterday's announcement of the uh, acquisition of Navinet by two blues plans in Pennsylvania, or three blues plans in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and uh, a company called Lumeris. And today's announcement of uh, Greenway Medical Records uh, that went through an IPO last week and announced today that it's opening up uh, an API or an application programming interface to its EHR, effectively turning it uh, into a a platform. Uh, But uh, I think as we talked earlier, Greg, I'd like to you know, start our conversation on a little bit of a different note and start with a uh, a story that I hope will engage you and 
uh, and the other listeners on a, on a much more personal level. Great. Okay. So the, uh, help me if I need any, to fill in any details here. Uh, the story, it's a true story. This happened in 2008, and it's a story about uh, uh, Dorothy Tillman. Uh, and the punchline is, is Dorothy wanted uh, her aunt's medical information so badly that she was ultimately arrested for it. Let, let me set the scene for you. Uh, Dorothy Tillman is a uh, African-American woman, and she was in a hospital uh, in the South, uh, and took in on a Saturday evening her, her aunt, uh, Mabel, who was experiencing uh, pains that were un- unexplained. She took her to the emergency room. Uh, they spent the uh, entire evening there, and uh, as Dorothy explains the story, didn't receive uh, much treatment, and the next morning, uh, again, she went in on Saturday evening, and it's now uh, Sunday morning, uh, and she's getting ready to leave, and she says, I want to take my aunt to another hospital for treatment. Can I have my medical records, her medical records, please? And uh, the people at the registration desk say, no, we're sorry, we can't do that. Uh, and at this point, she's tired, she's frustrated, uh, for, for those of you who uh, are captivated by this story, as I've been, there's actually on YouTube a, uh, a video of her in the uh, emergency room waiting room, but uh, it escalates, and, and she's tired, and she says, you know, i got to have my aunt's medical records. You know, I spent the last 12 hours here giving my aunt's medical records, and her aunt joins her. Uh, they call out security. Uh, The security guard pins her, uh, threatens to taser her, and ultimately she is arrested for criminal trespassing and uh, is is booked in the the county jail, uh, released later on $300 bond, and the the hospital issues a a story uh, or press release later on saying, uh, that the that the uh, the proper uh, method for requesting a copy of medical records is to to put it into writing, you know, which which is uh, pretty much the way that HIPAA uh, requires that you put it into writing, and you know we'll give you a copy 30 days later in in paper. So uh, you kind of get the flavor of the story here, and I, I want to draw out a couple of lessons. I want to make sure I haven't missed any of the, of the headlines. You get you get the flavor of what happened here. Uh, Dorothy well, demands her aunt's medical records uh, and is ultimately arrested for criminal trespassing when, when she can't get that fulfilled. I, Make I, sense? I, I, I think that that stages this conversation rather well, and I'm actually searching for it on uh, YouTube right now. So... So keep going, and if I can find it, I'll tweet out the link. So I, I've told this story a number of times, and you know, having shared it with a number of folks, and I'm assuming most of our audience is uh, healthcare executives or clinicians or uh, or people who are working in healthcare technology. You know, there there are two uh, kind of general takeaways that I think people can resonate with. One is if you put on your 
uh, consumer hat, your patient hat, you know, I think we all recognize the intuitive reasonableness of wanting and understanding the importance of having a copy of your medical records after having spent 12 hours in the ER and saying, I want to take my aunt somewhere else. Uh, and implicitly, you know, I don't want them to have to start all over. I want them to get all the tests and anything you've done here. That it, It's very reasonable. It's something that we would all want to do, and uh, given uh, the kinds of service that we get from many other institutions in America, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of empathy that I get with Dorothy's request. The second takeaway, and, and you have to be a someone who works in healthcare to, to grok this, and if you don't work in healthcare, you probably uh, won't be able to grok it, is you know, when this story occurred back in 2008 and even today, there's, there's probably not a hospital in America that would have been able to have complied with that request as reasonable as it sounds. And why? Well, uh, the department records are scattered throughout the organization and we haven't put them together yet. And we haven't copied them. And the doctors haven't signed off on all of the reports. And we're not required by HIPAA to give that to you for 30 days. And you are required under HIPAA policy and under hospital policy to request that in writing. And then we'll get back to you. So uh, you, you follow me on those two points. One is sort of the intuitive reasonableness of the request from a customer perspective. And then if you work in healthcare, the empathetic understanding that there's probably not a healthcare organization in America that has the ability to require, uh, to to reply and meet that sort of request. Make sense? Totally. Totally makes sense. Okay. So I thought I thought you would connect with that. And you know, I think what it sets the stage for is, you know, the recognition and and to bring this maybe to more of uh the you know, the technical content for the, for the session today, you know, we don't have a collaborative healthcare system and that we will really need an entirely different uh, architecture and more specifically a health information architecture. Uh, and that uh, goes beyond speaking of health information uh, as a technology. I mean, we're moving away from paper, but we also have to move beyond the closed systems that are existing in most healthcare organizations and move towards a much more open model where, uh, to think of other consumer technologies, healthcare becomes much more like what you see in the smartphone industry, where you have a, a platform, you have applications that are pulled together, put together uh, collaboratively with outside vendors, and that's where the, the API that I referenced earlier, the application programming interface, becomes the technical specifications between how a third party actually connects up with a, with a technical platform. And uh, the need to uh, be able to, uh, to share uh, information initially 
and ultimately uh, workflow across different healthcare providers, where uh, where Dorothy's request would have been met with uh, an answer of yes, here's your information, and uh, tell us where you're going, and we'll forward a copy of the record or a summary, at least a summary of the record, to uh, to the next hospital or the next set of doctors that you're planning to go to. Uh, and uh, you know we've got quite a we've got quite a long ways to go uh, in in getting there, but I think we're also seeing incredible progress in the industry in uh, initially simply the the mindset change that goes along with uh, that architectural change from moving from closed systems to uh, at least partially open platforms. Okay, so you can identify and empathize with the request. You, you, you've somewhat profiled, you know, the, the, the rationale for, for the institution's resistance or methodology by which they deliver that. Um, let's talk about that intersection. Let's talk about the enabling technology. Let's, ta- let's talk about what's changed that might uh, bridge those two extremes. Well, so let me let me pull in the real world examples, and uh, you know I would love to hear your thoughts as well too, because I think there there hasn't even been much commentary. Uh, the one that was announced yesterday, and I'll I'll offer my own two cents. Uh, I know uh, people at uh, Navinet, and I've personally worked and uh, known a lot of people at different Blues plans. Uh, you know, so I I think I can frame this reasonably well. Uh, so uh, the announcement was uh, yesterday that uh, Lumeris and uh, three Blues plans, Blue Cross Blue Shield of uh, Horizon in New Jersey, uh, Independence Blue Cross in uh, the eastern Pennsylvania area, and then uh, the Highmark plan, which covers central and, and western Pennsylvania, have agreed to uh, purchase Navinet. Uh, my sense is that most folks probably, uh, you know, have an understanding of the Blues plans, and that in this deal, uh, that it won't register necessarily as to who uh, Navinet is and who Lumeris is. And so, let me take a minute to to explain that and why I think this is so significant. The uh, Navinet is a company that has been around since 1998, and they're not very visible in the healthcare world because they're really a back office at claims administration company. And if you went to their website today, you actually might have kind of a hard time discerning that because they uh, have been very foresightful in advancing their technology, which has been used. As, think of it as a network where three quarters of the Healthcare's uh, of the country's doctors are connected through the administrative claims transaction network that Navinet has put together, and virtually all of the insurers, and they shuffle back and forth uh, administrative information, claims submissions, authorization requests, uh, necessary stuff, but also not particularly sexy and exciting stuff. And what what they figured out is that that network is valuable in, in way beyond shuffling simply uh, administrative information that can be used to shuffle back and forth uh, virtually any kind of uh, information, including uh, care plan coordination of of patients, uh, any kind of collaboration that needs to 
occur between doctors, health plans, patients, and hospitals. Uh, Lumeris is a company that is probably also not on people's radar screens, but they ought to be. And uh, why? Well, they have they have some really important, significant names behind them. Uh, probably the biggest of which people might recognize is John Doerr of of Kleiner Perkins, one of the preeminent uh, Silicon Valley venture capitalists. And uh, I have a hard time uh, piecing together the exact amount, but from their press releases, uh, their parent company raised $60 million last year, and this year they raised another $70 million uh, through uh, another financing. And uh, what they are putting together is a suite of accountable care tools. Uh, think of it as a collaboration platform. And uh, in the early press release, they they used terminology which I particularly liked. You know, uh, being from the state of Idaho, they called it tackle box, and they described it as uh, 22 different capabilities that you would need to be able to provide accountable care. You can pick and choose from the tackle box, and whether you are a health plan or whether you are a hospital, uh, you know, that's who we're trying to sell to. So uh, it's a unique combination of these three players where you bring together uh, what the Blues bring to the table is 11 million uh, patients, uh, and notably uh, that the uh, Blues plans typically have a much larger market presence in a local market than might a, a national like a like an Aetna or a, 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 a or a United Healthcare, and so they've got you know the ability to get the attention of of local doctors. Uh, think of it this way: if if you are in a city and Aetna is five percent of your practice, and Aetna offers you this sort of a uh, a platform with 22 capabilities, you know, if it's five percent of your patients. Uh, you may say, you know, no, thank you. That's too much of an interruption to my workflow. But if it's a blues plan and it's 50% of a doctor's patients, uh, effectively, you've got to pay attention and participate in this platform. So, uh, you know, the takeaways here are, uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is the payer community really advancing the concepts of accountable care and putting together the necessary type of infrastructure with Lumeris bringing the technological platform and the applications and with Navinet bringing the doctor connectivity network and the ability to uh, share that information uh, over the Navinet uh, existing uh, uh, communications network. Um, let me stop there again. I've kind of been rambling for a few minutes there. Does that make sense? Or any questions, follow-up questions you may have? No, totally. That's that's. Uh, I talk about putting meat on the bone. In fact, I've tweeted out uh, both Navinet and Maris, and I've heard Michael Long. By the way, uh, you know John Doerr reminds me of uh, when you talk about. Uh, 
um, the predecessor work of John Dory's investment in the healthcare space, you've got to talk about Healthion, you know, which was the precursor to uh, eventually WebMD and then uh, Amidon. I don't know if I ever pronounced that correctly, but MDion. also in I think the, you're thinking Amidon. Yeah, Amidon. So also, you know, in the executive leadership over at Lumeris, you've got uh, Michael Long, Chairman, Chief Executive Officer. Um, uh, formerly CEO and later chairman of Healthy on WebMD. So we got some deep roots. They have deep roots in Medicare Advantage contracting. They know about infrastructure and they know about provider contracting. It just makes enormous sense. So yeah, you're putting meat on the bone, Vince. Keep going. Okay. Well, then let's uh, let's talk this about the the deal that was announced or the press release that was announced this morning and why it's significant. Uh, again, in moving the world away from closed IT architecture towards at least partially open and, and you know, eventually, I think, quite open uh, platform application architectures. Uh, Greenway announced that it is developing an open application programming interface. Greenway is uh, one of the large uh, health IT vendors particularly, or uh, EHR vendors, particularly in the uh, the ambulatory uh, marketplace. They sell a lot to, to doctor offices. Uh, and let me give you an analogy of the significance of that. Uh, and, and to understand it fully, you really have to look outside of healthcare and the kinds of uh, strategic technological decisions and business decisions that have been made by uh, a, a number of other companies to, to really see where they're going with this. Uh, the one that I think people probably have the most familiarity with is the decision that Apple made back in 2007 to open up their uh, iPhone and their iOS to outside developers. And the thinking that goes on there is uh, we recognize, even though we're Apple, that we don't have all the skills, the resources, the talent to be able to develop functionality and capabilities that might be able to work on our iPhone. And while it is, it's, it's, uh, and you know, while we have complete control over the platform because it's ours, uh, you know, we understand that we have to open it up to allow third parties to be able to, to connect to and program to our platform and that that will allow for innovations way beyond anything that we've ever thought about. So six days after Apple announced or after Apple uh, posted the software specifications for their software developer kit. There had been a hundred thousand downloads, and you know I uh, I don't know how closely everyone's been following Apple, but you know we've been amazed at the number of applications. You know, first there were five thousand, thirty-five thousand, seventy-five thousand, and now the number is somewhere north of half a million applications that have been developed. What what's what the lesson is for healthcare is you have to open up the API and to turn your technology into something that you will allow others 
to build upon, and that's not been the mindset in healthcare. It's been really just the opposite of that. It's been, uh, you know, we need to control our technology, not allow anything else. Uh, you know, if any code is going to be written, it's going to be written by us, and we're going to have complete control over it. Uh, and, you know, that's where the, the breakdown is occurring. It's a, it's a really big inflection point in the, in the strategic thinking and in the technological architecture. And it's worth noting, and it's worth uh, observing how much the, this opening up of the API has become a part of business strategy for uh, the largest technology companies in the world. Uh, others, uh, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, Facebook, have all opened up their APIs, and uh, you read about the, the thought process that went on at Facebook, for example. You know, a very similar process of you know, reflection of, you know, gee, we are giving up something because there are probably things that we would like to develop, but there are many unforeseen new applications that will be developed, and overall, it grows the business ecosystem far better than we could do on our own. So if you've been tracking my thinking, this is really the direction for the e-collaboration forum for next week, uh, our event at HIMSS. It will be taking place on Thursday the 23rd, <clears throat> all day. You can find out more about the event at collaborativehc.org. Uh, that's the Collaborative Health Consortium, and uh, I'm a board member. We're an organization that is co-sponsoring this event with HIMSS. Uh, and it's been uh, an honor. It's been uh, uh, a challenge. Uh, I think we're the first organization HIMSS has ever worked with in co-sponsoring an, uh, an outside event. Uh, and we've got an incredible uh, lineup of folks. Again, the, the website is uh, collaborativehc.org. Uh, if you are attending HIMSS, uh, you can attend this all-day event uh, for no additional charge. You do have to sign up for it, and uh, you can uh, do that by simply going back to your registration for HIMSS and adding that event. And if you're not attending HIMSS and don't want to deal with uh, uh, the slots and the congestion and uh, the hubbub of Las Vegas, you can sit in the comfort of your home and then partake through a, a webinar. And again, at collaborativehc.org, you'll see the, the information on where to sign up. Uh, let me take a breath, <laughs> Greg, and uh, you know, point Point me. Uh, we, I know we only got a couple of minutes left, and I know we've covered a lot of ground here. But help me wrap it up. Well, um, powerful. Uh, these are awesome examples. If, if there's anything that that fills in the details, put the, putting meat on the bone, if you will, of how far we've come, and and the dynamics in the marketplace, and somewhat the the, the forward thinkers, the thought leaders here in terms of re-engineering re this future of accountable care. This is all in service of accountable care, and it's con connecting the dots in a siloed environment. Wow, this is powerful stuff. I'm trying to find – I did post a Greenway link to the PR, but it had something to do with the IPO, so I'm going to reclaim uh, the, the Greenway site and post that open API notice because that is powerful. That, that is really powerful on the heels of them just going public. 
You know? it, it is, and so, I, I want to point it out, but it's also not the first one that, that has done this. Uh, but I think uh, in terms of the, the timing of hymns and, and today, it's one that uh, I'm singling out as, as one to take a look at. Uh, you know, I know we've only got a couple of minutes left. Let me let me at least make sure I wrap up the Dorothy story here. Uh, mm. So, uh, a year later, uh, Dorothy was was vindicated. Uh, the charges against her uh, were dropped. Uh, you know, the inference that uh, that I made is that she, in turn, uh, filed some sort of a lawsuit against the hospital and that they reached some sort of a settlement, although the, the newspaper is not exactly clear on, on what that is, but the criminal charges were, were dropped. So, uh, you know, Dorothy is uh, my, my heroine. And, you know, uh, as, uh, as uh, you know, I think outrageous as she may have been, uh, you know, we, we can relate to, to her needs and her interest to... Uh, help out her aunt and get the medical information and how how difficult it is for the hospitals to be able to to comply with that and you know how we you know need to move fundamentally towards a you know a radically different system of health information uh, architecture uh, and we can talk some more about that next week at the oh. e-collaboration forum couldn't have said it any better, so we're winding down the live portion of the program. We'll be broadcasting next week from Las Vegas at HIMSS 12. Please join us then, and for those of you who can stay with us in After Hours, we'll be right back. So we're back with Vince Caritas on our HIMSS 2012 countdown. We're talking about HIT, accountable care, platforms, you name it, the whole enchilada. That's really good stuff, Vince. I, um, I, I'm, I'm excited by, by hearing uh, these representations about the uh, indicia of progress, if you will. And having been at this, uh, <clears throat> as you know, we've been at this sort of, sort of um, uh, cost conundrum and how to solve it. Uh, question for quite some years, actually decades. <laughs> I'm I'm thrilled. I, you know I you know contrary to to, to some of the ideological uh, driven purity driven think tanks who are referring uh, pejoratively to the law as Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act has put a lot of very positive things in place and prior to that obviously era with the high tech portion essentially enabling the proliferation of uh, electronic health re records adoption you know it's done enormous so we've come so far yet there's so much more to do because if you if you put up a sort of score uh you know a score sheet uh and, and looked at okay here's american healthcare all healthcare is local You've got super sophistication in this market. You've got a bunch of sort of, uh, you know, laggers here on average where, you know, there's still quite a bit of way to go, yet there's all sorts of enabling initiatives out there that are that are bringing this forward. So I'm excited, um, and I appreciate the, the two examples you've brought up so far. 
well, I likewise, Greg. I, I, you know, working as a consultant really tried to avoid politicizing my work, and you know, I do acknowledge that uh, I describe myself as a, uh, you know, it's it's almost impossible, uh, you know, not to bring a political. Uh, perspective to the world uh, these days. I acknowledge myself as a uh, centrist Democrat. I voted for Obama, but at this point I'm, I'm undecided as to, you know, where my vote's going to go in the future. Uh, and, you know, contrast that with uh, whether you're for or against Obamacare, what, what I hear consistently in the marketplace is and see that, that I don't think is really being uh, covered is, you know, that uh, the dramatic changes that are occurring in the marketplace, uh, many of which I see particularly on the health insurance side, uh, and may not be yet visible because the big effects don't kick in until 2013-2014. But what, what I hear consistently is uh, healthcare executives working on the assumption that the uh, the principles of the uh, and the and the law and the specifics of the ACA are going to be uh, continuing, and at the same time understanding that there's a lot of uncertainty around this, that it could all change uh, based upon a political election, it could all change based upon a Supreme Court consideration of the severability of the uh, of the insurance mandate. But folks are going ahead and, and implementing, and particularly in the health insurance world, what I see is, uh, and this is maybe where you and I have, have done some sparring, you know, back and forth. I don't want to be judgmental, uh, you know, but it's no uh, no secret that I think that health plans, you know, have been demonized over the past decade, and uh, you know, perhaps characterized by the movie uh, John Q of you know denying care uh, and i view that not as uh, in any way uh, health plan executives are are evil i look at that as you know the rules of the game uh, for health plans have not been consistent with with public policy uh, public policy being uh, you know we want people to be able to have health insurance uh, regardless of pre-existing conditions and and not to be able to be bumped off of their health plan with uh, uh, when they get sick and one of the main changes in the accountable care act is really changing the rules of the game and changing the model for for health plans you know and I see them and and I think uh, if you uh, don't necessarily see them down in the trenches you can certainly see the you know the hundreds of millions, the billions of dollars they're throwing at uh, acquisitions and initiatives to advance this notion uh, that I know you and I uh, believe in of you know accountable care, somebody coordinating the system as opposed to a bunch of uh, healthcare silos. So uh, you know to react to your point, I, I would agree uh, a lot of change is going on, uh, very positive things. Uh, not at all guaranteed, but uh, I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, as well, you should be. As am I. And yes, health plans have been demonized. And uh, your your uh, your perspective there, particularly in light of the New York Times uh, op-ed, was rather rather well stated. So, 
let me try and just uh, sum up here. I mean, this is about preparing for the future. Uh, platforms are not optional at this point. If you're risk-averse, strategy risk-averse, this is not a time to be a senior manager in the healthcare space, let alone informatics. And uh, if it's about uh, creating value and unlocking forward uh, benefit, uh, this is the place to be. So uh, identify where in this continuum, this broad mix of activity that you can actually contribute and uh, stake a claim because there's a uh, there, there's so much. There is so much to do, and uh, the thing I like about hymns, and, and I'm a relative hymns newbie because I've only been involved in hymns in the last couple of years. Went to Orlando last year, and all I could come away with is just this palpable vibe. And it, it reminds me, back in the days, it was the it was the precursor organization to AHIP. It was called the Group Health Association of America. And, and I was watching the Group Health of Association of America gain traction in primarily the medical group community as HMOs were being introduced to the world. <clears throat> and each year you could see conference attendance growing, growing and growing. And you had the sense of, wow, there's really something happening here. you know. And, and so it kind of came to its, its crescendo here with John Q and perhaps as good as it gets where HMOs were getting slammed left and right. But at that point, they had completely moved away with the, the principle of an HMO, community-based organization, coordinated, integrated care, and they'd gone into essentially corporate entities that had given away any kind of controls that might be necessary to actually manage care. So I, I, my sense is we're at this palpable moment with HIMS taking a leadership role because technology is on the front end here of engineering or enabling this change. and. I love what you're doing, especially uh, in the open uh, theater, to uh, make connections that heretofore just weren't possible because of essentially sort of proprietary bias. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll reflect uh, back, uh, you know, my appreciation of your uh, insight and leadership in uh, developing the ACO Watch and you know, following this whole issue of accountable care and uh, putting a stake in the ground that uh, this is really important, uh, you know, far ahead of where others were still, uh, you know, thinking about whether or not we want to do this. And I, and I think the mainstream is still in that mindset. Uh, so uh, kudos back to you, Greg. Okay, well, that's a mutual love barrier. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> a virtual <laughs> hug fest. <laughs> yeah, so it was news to me that... Um, if you're a registered uh, HIMSS uh, uh, participant, you can access the eCollab forum uh, without an additional fee. Uh, we've got a limited number of seats. There are uh, 400 seats available, and at this point, we've got something like 325 of those spoken for. So, you know, we, we are anticipating a sellout, uh, a first-time event, uh, and I think. Uh, you know, maybe just to share a, you know a few perspectives that there there was hesitation on both organizations' parts in working uh, with each other. The the organization that I'm a board member of, the Collaborative Health Consortium, is uh, a diverse group of uh, stakeholders: uh, technology companies, uh, care providers, home health uh, doctors, IPO. Uh, rather IPA uh, membership, uh, really all over the place, uh, who, who are uh, understanding the need to move towards more modular uh, technology, and you know we we label ourselves as really the disruptive innovators in the marketplace, 
And you know, those of you who are familiar with hymns, uh, I I, uh, I think they you know would be seen as uh, you know supporting the mainstream, uh, the incumbents of of health IT. And in our conversations with uh, with hymns leadership. Uh, with Pat Wise and with Steve Lieber, uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, there was some feeling out that went on, but it was really a good relationship. And they, you know, they recognize, uh, you know, I think even going back to Dorothy's story of uh, that that the usability and the needs and uh, the uh, the basic structure of health information technology uh, needs to advance to you know uh, architecture. Beyond where it is today, again, I'm characterizing it as you know, largely closed and proprietary, and uh, saw our organization as uh, you know, bringing together a collection of uh, thought leaders and rabble rousers, you know, representing uh, you know, also real business and clinical uh, perspectives through through our membership, and uh, we've worked hard with them to put together this. Uh, e-collaboration forum event, uh, you know, we will have uh, two uh, heads of ONC there, uh, Dr. Uh, Mostashari, Farzad Mostashari, the current head, will be there, and uh, Dr. Rob Kalodner, one of the uh, heads of ENC under the Bush administration, uh, you know, I think philosophically supporting the direction and the need to move towards uh, a different kind of health IT architecture. And then uh, a lot of case studies, a lot of examples uh, from uh, from private companies, from not-for-profit organizations, from from HIEs. Uh, it'll it'll be really a uh, an inundation into uh, what people are doing uh, in in moving towards this new vision that you know I would describe as having a lot of impetus, but clearly not yet mainstream. So that's good. Uh, Thanks for the chance to uh, to join you again. Always, uh, I appreciate your uh, your always appreciate your insights and want to just give a shout out to Leonard Kish and uh, Nate De Niro for their uh, active support of this particular conference. And uh, so that's going to do it for today. I want to thank my guest Vince Caritas for his insights as always. And we're going to be uh, on site in Las Vegas broadcasting from HIMSS. We'll be doing periodic uh, broadcasting, perhaps some live streaming. We'll definitely be blogging as well as a uh, rather generous tweet stream. So the, uh, the, the HIMSS hashtag is pound H-I-M-S-S-1-2, and the eCollaboration Forum hashtag is pound eCollab1-2, 2012, 1-2. So, Vince, thanks again. We're going to say goodbye and uh, appreciate you all hanging in there today, and we'll see you next week from Las Vegas. Bye now. See you in in Las Vegas. Bye, Greg. Thanks. Bye.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.